0: You're listening to a Marcus Sahaba online radio podcast.
1: Program tailor made for the traveling enthusiast. And alhamdulillah, this evening we joined by none other than our very own Ibrahim Badacha. He's my Ibrahim Ba. It is his segment Travel Express. Ibrahim Ba, Assalamualaikum alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening, Ba? Wa
0: alaikum salaam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, uh, and of course all our lovely listeners out there to Radio Merca Sahaba, I'm on top of the world this evening, thank you so much.
1: You know, a man uh, like yourself, you do so much and you help people out. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you relevant. A lot of people in this dunya that, you know, come in and go away without leaving a footprint. But inshallah, may Allah keep you for longer, Ibrahim ba You know, I was just thinking, aloud a lot of people say, you know, I'm applying for visas and I'm going to this embassy. I'm going to the Saudi embassy or I'm going to the Egyptian embassy or I'm going to, you know, the Canadian embassy, the U.S. embassy and so forth. Uh, But, Ba, you know, perhaps in your experience, you know, you've been in the travel game, which is the most difficult embassy to go to and perhaps, you know, to do a deal with uh, for visa and so forth. Uh, Talk to us, Ba.
0: Well, there's been uh, quite a few, actually. You know, it all depends on who you are, what color you are, first of all. Right. That matters. And uh, I know that... uh, if you're looking purely in in uh, travel industry parlance, I know getting a visa from the Nigerian embassy is a challenge and a half, right? Now, when you come to other places where the color of your skin is more important, I'm talking more like the Western capitals of the world and the United States of America and places like that. They ask you 10,000 different questions and who your granny was and how many teeth she had when she passed on and all sorts of nonsense like that just to discourage you. And they put a big, fat, hefty price on everything so that it discourages you even further. So you've got to be really serious and genuine about the reason why you want to go and visit that place. I mean, just going to visit a place as a tourist, I mean, you are going to go and spend some money there and sort of... uh, Put some money into the economy for the duration of your stay obviously you're going to have to have accommodation you're going to have to subsist in the sense that have meals and things like that you're going to be going to see the attraction and the tourist attractions. i'm talking about taking a show here and there that all costs money and uh, they are so hell-bent on screening the hell out of you that uh, sometimes people just say what is that really what they want to know about it? I said, forget it. I'd rather not go. And I think the one that takes the cake in so far as wanting more than anyone else right now is the UK. I mean, they want, like, you've got to fill in, like, she about 25 pages of god knows what. And you know, uh, filling forms is not one of my fortes. You know, the thing is, if they get too personal and want to uh, invade my privacy, I take exception to that, irrespective of who it is. And I've got a sister that lives in the UK, and ever since uh, they pulled out of the uh, Schengen State, the EU sort of thing, and uh, Brexit and all that nonsense, you've got to apply for a visa there. And I did it once, and I told myself I'm not going to do it again. So if I go to uh, maybe somewhere in Europe, uh, somewhere nearby, maybe Brussels or somewhere, Netherlands or somewhere. Then I tell her to take the train over and come and see me rather, because uh, I'm not going to submit uh, to their kind of nonsense. I mean, what for? Yeah, that's my sister. I love her. She's gone on in age and things like that. But uh, I won't demean myself filling in all those nonsensical questions. They have no business whatsoever to find out about all
1: those things. Yeah, but you make a lot of sense. And as you said, you know, they get into your privacy. Exactly. And uh, perhaps. And they're looking for that breaking point yeah. where, you know, you would just explode yeah. and they will ride there another lunatic, uh, Ibrahim bah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Another fundamentalist, whatever that word is supposed to mean. Allah knows. Yeah. But to hell with them. You know, there's a, there are a lot more nicer uh, destinations on Earth with more warm and friendlier people than them. So it's only out of necessity that one has to go there, that one will subject themselves to this kind of nonsense. But other than that, life goes on without them. And very well, thank you, Ba.
1: No, absolutely, Ibrahim ba. And I like your spirit, and I like the way you handle things. And, you know, there's a limit to how far they exactly. can push us. Yeah. And then we're we looking at, uh, well, let's get to our travel game here, Ibrahim Ba. And I, uh, they call this uh, uh, Aquila, Aquila. Uh, game reserve gets the recognition as the best. Muslim-friendly game reserve. Where is this, Ibrahim Ba? the
0: Aquila game reserve. The Aquila game reserve is just outside Cape Town. I've been there, not uh, recently, but I think uh, maybe a few years back. Uh, very nice setup they got over there. And uh, I see it's won a very, uh, how shall I say, good award. Yeah, insofar as uh, catering to the Muslim uh, customers as such, right? And uh, it's a private game reserve and uh, very, very accessible. And uh, what we have here basically is uh, a Muslim-friendly game reserve. Now, let me just uh, delve a little bit deeper into this thing, right? We were on a radio station. I won't name the radio station, of course, and there was some bigot or the other because the question was about halal-friendly tourism, so uh, that uh, person was of the opinion that there is only halal and there's no such thing as halal-friendly and things like that. Of course, if they are narrow-minded and have the tunnel vision, to sit and split hairs about that and are totally ignorant or uninformed about what travel is, and what travel parlance is, then you'll find them, you know, busy bodies with nothing else to do that will sit and nitpick about this. But anyway, I sent him an answer that he couldn't answer back. To. Anyway, that's one side. So what they've done here, there is a company, and I wouldn't say a company, it's a body. It's uh, called a crescent, meaning crescent being Islamic, a crescent rating global summit that was held in Singapore now what this uh, body does is that they cater to the needs of the muslim traveler per se okay now if they say the place is muslim friendly or the halal friendly what it means that there are certain services offered by those establishments whether it's a hotel a game reserve or uh, whatever a restaurant that caters to some or all of the needs of the muslim traveler Right, It could have maybe a Qibla direction. It could have halal meals in a particular restaurant in the establishment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it goes on all the way to the top end of it, where it is absolutely, totally, strictly halal. There is no maybes in, in between. Okay? So this is what it is. And uh, getting back to the point of this Aquila game reserve, uh, it's a renowned uh, Big Five Safari Lodge, and that's, like I said, just on the outskirts of Cape Town. And it has been awarded the prestigious, you see, they changed the terminology for bigots like that. It's called Halal in Travel Award, okay, for the best Muslim-friendly, again, Muslim-friendly as opposed to Halal-friendly, game reserve. The award was presented during the summit in Singapore. And it acknowledged Aquila's exceptional dedication to creating a welcome environment for guests of diverse cultures and faiths. So not just Muslims only, huh? It's every faith that that is on earth there that goes there, they make sure that they make allowances and cater to them. And that is why they have uh, won this award, you know, uh, and I think it's a very prime award for them to win. And uh, of course, the event in Singapore is attended by distinguished guests, uh, ambassadors, tourism tourism ministers uh, from all over the globe. And uh, of course, the game reserve itself is in very uh, picturesque location and combined with its uh, commitment to diversity, inclusivity, inclusivity in this case, uh, it's become a leading brand in the tourism industry in South Africa especially insofar as the game reserve goes, the private game reserve. And, of course, it attracts visitors from all walks of life, and it uh, offers them a very immersive Big Five safari uh, experience. And uh, there's abundance of wildlife. And, of course, it's uh, got some of the most breathtaking landscapes in the area. And uh, the owner, the owner Sir Derman, he expressed gratitude for the prestigious accolade. Uh, And uh, it emphasized the reflection of Aquila's unwavering commitment, in his words, to welcoming guests from around the world, regardless of their cultural background or religious beliefs. Now that is very important. It's not something that you get every day. And he went on to say, in a time when love, understanding and respect are crucial and in such short supply, Aquila's recognition holds particular significance. So it gives you an insight into the man's thought processes, and uh, it comes across as being something that's very uh, thoughtful, something that's very in-depth, and something that is very positive. And, uh, of course, he sees uh, the game reserve itself as a beacon of peace, harmony, and unity in the global tourism landscape. And uh, while celebrating this achievement, uh, he maintains that uh, Aquila, is dedicated to providing unparalleled experiences for his guests and uh, through his commitment to the main thing like hospitality, cultural understanding and respect for all. And uh, he's proud that it solidifies Aquila's position as a top choice for Muslim-friendly accommodations and highlights its ongoing pursuit of excellence in the travel industry. Now, also, there's a very close friend of mine in the uh, Port Elizabeth area. Uh, you most probably heard of Quanto Game Reserve. Yeah, Chiwa. G- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The they, they won a seven-star rating as well. Now, this that they, that, uh, they talk about is Aquila in... Uh, in Cape Town, but the other one, Quantum Game Reserve, I've also been there, and uh, it's an excellent property as well, and that one, a seven star, that's the highest award that the Crescent uh, Rating uh, Board gives out. So, uh, very good show by both these parties and uh, more strength of their arm. And, uh, you know, the, the halal tourism industry is not something to be sniffed at. It runs into the tens of billions and is growing, which is why more and more people, more and more tourism industry uh, folk and ministers are paying more and more attention to it.
1: Hi, Ibrahim. You know, you'll find out that the Arabs are big into uh, uh, game uh, gaming and they love to go to game reserves and all that. Uh, do these uh, uh, reserves, uh, you know, allow hunters to come in and designate a certain area for hunting and so forth, Ibrahim?
0: Well, look, I guess if it's culling season, there's just too much of any one uh, species, then most probably they would. But uh, to my mind, it doesn't look that way right now. I don't think that they allow hunting like where there are other uh, game reserves, uh, especially in the north, in the Lomipopo, that area where, you know, herds are bred purely for hunting. And uh, it costs a pretty penny, of course, to go and hunt and for every head of uh, uh, deer or whatever you animal you shoot, it it, it costs you a pretty penny. So it's, it's for those who are well-heeled. well healed. Or when we talk Arab, it's synonymous with having lots of money. So uh, yeah, that's where it's at.
1: Yes, Ibrahim Ba. You know, Jazakallah Khair for that. And uh, Quantu Aquila, all uh, doing the things. And as we said, uh, Quantu Game Reserve, uh, Muslim owned the, the Jiwas. Uh, well done to the Jiwas also. And as we move on, Ibrahim Ba. And we look at uh, six cities uh, or the six uh, cities uh, South Africans can visit to escape. What, Ibrahim Bah? <laughs> <shedi. laughs> Tell me where they can go to, Ibrahim ba. Well,
0: uh, look, uh, Bah, this is what they're talking about. Is, is, again, is what we we're talking about just now. It's about uh, countries in Europe, of course. OK, so uh, I don't know how many people are so desperate as to want to escape and pay more money just to go. Uh, for the change of scenery, but I think it's a way of, uh, how should I say, promoting these destinations. It might seem uh, something that's, you know, uh, trite or tacky or whatever, but uh, you never know who goes for it. But uh, anyway, in no particular order, I'll just rattle it out. It's uh, London, Amsterdam, Istanbul, Dublin, that's an island, uh, Gay Paris, forget the gay these days, Paris, of course, and Frankfurt on Main in Germany. And uh, just to give you what's happening in each of those places, London is, of course, very popular uh, all around. And it has a mild weather with four distinct seasons. And of course, the best time to be in London is in spring. And that's uh, between March and May, which has just passed us by. And that offers all sorts of sunshine and blooming flowers. And the summer in June and August brings musical festivals and a vibrant atmosphere to sharing uh however if you go in the summer as in anywhere else where it's a uh, peak season for tourism be prepared for crowds and long queues at the attractions and this is something that happens just about everywhere so much so that in some cases like in catalonia in spain the people are fed up of the tourists actually even in uh, in i think dubrovnik in croatia and places they said oh why don't you just stay at home remember we used to have that uh story back here in uh, years gone by, uh, Brother Shafat, uh, to the valley. Mm. Welcome. Welcome to uh, uh, Natal. Now go back home. You remember that? I remember it. Yeah. Very, very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Amsterdam, of course, uh, tulips from Amsterdam. Everyone knows it is a beautiful year-round destination, pleasant weather, no extreme temperatures, etc. Very flat land, very clean place. And again, the best time to visit are in spring and uh, maybe the fall, which is autumn in September to October to avoid the peak tourist season and higher prices that uh, come with it. Of course, uh, that uh, list wouldn't be complete without uh, Istanbul, one of my favorite cities on earth. It's just so special. And uh, even though you have hot summers there from mid-June to mid-September, when everything is crowded and things at a premium, The off-peak season from November to February, Uh, there's fewer crowds, but then uh, it does get a bit uh, chilly out there, huh? You've got to dress well. Uh, It's important to note that some attractions, restaurants and shops will be closed during, of course, the Muslim uh, religious festivals. Then, of course, we go on to Dublin in Ireland with temperate climate and cool summers and mild winters. Best time to visit there is again May to July, and the SISTI comes alive to, come to with festivals and events. Uh, but uh, take your wellies and your raincoats and your umbrellas if you have to, because uh, they get a lot of rain there. So come prepared for some wet weather. And of course, Paris with a continental climate, hot summers and cold winters. Best time again in the summer, June to August. City's full of energy, weather's pleasant. And uh, again, the same old, same old. High uh, high rates, uh, large crowd, availability of uh, uh, tickets or to go to a show or an attraction, standing in long queues. And the spring, of course, from March to June is also a good time to visit. And uh, you can experience mild temperatures and the bustling cafe culture that is so predominant in Paris. Then, of course, you have our German friends Frankfurt on Main and uh, best weather again during summer. And uh, incidentally, the thing is, if you haven't been to Europe in the summer, Brother Shafak, it's everyone. The whole world goes on holiday in Europe. You know what I'm saying? Everyone packs up, closes up and uh, everybody but everybody is on the road and uh, going a holiday everywhere because uh, the borders are so close, uh, so many different experiences, cities and countries you can go in in a matter of hours, unlike here where we're stuck in the middle of nowhere, right down south. And uh, of course, they have uh, the festivals, of course, but might not apply to us, of course, is the wine festival, but they do have uh, the museum embankment festival, which is quite popular. Now, again for the christians of course christmas time is also very popular due to the many charming christmas markets that come alive during that time so if you're really hard-pressed and you're sick and tired of uh, load shedding i just came back from Teng this afternoon and uh, yeah it's cold out there and load shedding plays a big part but I don't know. I didn't have too much of load shedding because I think uh, maybe someone wants to score brownie points ahead of the election next year. So
1: maybe they doing something positive. Yeah, that's a good point you made, Ibrahim Bar. Because when it comes to election, suddenly everything is uh, cozy yeah. at the post. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because they uh, were having said- Sorry to interrupt. They were having something like ten hours of blackouts. They call it uh, euphemistically, load shedding, of course, to make it sound uh, more acceptable. But that's what it is, rolling black mass of blackouts, you know. And uh, four hours at a time, four hours, two times four hours, and one times two hours. So that's ten hours of your day gone. How anyone Hmm. is expected to run a business or function uh, normally? I don't know. I'm not sure either.
1: I said, indeed, and uh, you know they. Uh, well, they're getting caught out, Ibrahimba, but mm. the game they're playing—you they, know—it's selective that in what they're doing. Game. You
0: can't not have. You can't have stage six, eight, or ten, or whatever, one day, and then two weeks later, suddenly there's nothing. That's all, you know, fiddling. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, you couldn't have said it better. They're fiddling, and I knew one guy who was a fiddler on the roof, but that's another story altogether. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on, Ibrahimba. Uh, Kruger National Park Rangers equipped with the training and equipment to assist in anti-poaching operations. These mm. poachers, who they are, we know the syndicates, we know the cartels, but it's like a never-ending story. And uh, some of these, uh, you know, anti-poaching uh, uh, officers are getting killed, Ibrahim Ba, yes, Talk to us it, about, uh, yes. uh, about uh, Kruger National Park Rangers.
0: It is, it is a very serious state of affairs, Brother Shabat. Make no mistake about it. Uh, people are losing their life. The uh, anti-poaching unit, the the members of that unit, of course, are being shot and killed. And uh, it is unfortunately uh, the same story we find where the criminals are now more wealthier, better equipped in every aspect. And uh, we seem to be on the losing side every time you look at it. I mean... Uh, this uh, ranger corps that in KZN is there specifically to stop them from poaching. And poaching is big business, you know, for rhino horn and all that sort of thing that uh, goes on. And uh, it's a huge challenge. And uh, thankfully, the rangers uh, have recently received a good donation to help the anti-poaching efforts. And uh, basically, it's a donation of tactical casualty care training, that was one, and of course, first aid equipment, uh, that was donated to the value of about uh, 166,000 rands, and this collaboration is between the Conservation Risk Initiative and Noctua Poaching Prevention Academy, and uh, this is facilitated by the Mdluli Safari Lodge, who made this support possible. So. Uh, something that's done for a good cause. And the donation includes essential equipment like backpacks, boots, hydration bags, compasses, handcuffs, and torches, which will enhance the rangers patrols and anti-poaching work in the vast area that is the Kruger National Park. It is quite huge, you know, there's so many different entrances, so many different uh, areas that the various species are found. and. You know, you can't unfortunately be everywhere at all times. And yes, whilst Kruger National Park has a state-of-the-art drone, and things that they flight and launch and everything uh, based on the intelligence that they receive. And it is, uh, how shall I say, very proactive of them when they use that technology to sort of cut down the rate of poaching but it's an ongoing battle every time you introduce something to stop something they come out with something else to beat that so uh this carries on and uh i guess this uh, donation will greatly enhance the team's effectiveness in their operation both day and night and of course the collaboration any collaboration for the good you know it demonstrates a shared commitment and uh, towards protecting the national the country's national heritage and the biodiversity and of course uh, also addresses the ongoing threat the ever-growing threat i should say of poaching. and this support uh, serves as a testament to the dedication of the rangers who strive and put their lives on the line like you mentioned earlier uh, you know just to try and uh, maintain the status quo and uh, of course this partnership uh, looks like it's going to be growing going forward and uh, you know, to the benefit of Kruger uh, National Parks, and of course, uh, maintaining the valuable ecosystem.
1: Yeah, Ibrahim, ba. your grandson is in top form this evening. I don't know, did you bring him something special from uh, Johannesburg, Bah?
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, he is in the other room, far away. But uh, somehow the dog. <laughs> anyway. Is open don't know. I
1: mean, we understand. Ibrahim Ba's I grandson, mean, you know, I'm enjoying him in the background. Ibrahim Ba, then we move on to your favorite uh, spot. We go yeah. to Turkey, and uh, Turkey expects to boost the economy with summer tourism. I mean, with Erdogan winning, we say, bring it on. What's yeah. your thoughts, okay. Well,
0: look, uh, now that you mentioned Erdogan, I'm pleased that he won. And despite all the machinations and all the... Uh, Covert actions that were done to get the uh, pro-Western, pro-American stooge in over there—all the efforts failed. They tried, believe me, they tried. And uh, I think it's, mm. uh, hats off to the uh, the uh, Turkish people for voting Erdogan and his party back in. You know, why I say this, bar there is a very important this year is a very important year for Turkey, notwithstanding all the other shenanigans that go on. The Lausanne Agreement that was signed in nineteen twenty three. Absolutely. Hundred years up. Hundred years is up in July, right? Then everything's gonna hit the fan insofar as what what the Americans and the other Western I don't know, I don't I don't wanna say these words, you know. Anyway, (laughs) but what they got up to. I mean, a hundred years they had free passage of the Bosphorus over there going from the Sea of Marmara into the Black Sea, right? no one could levy any single thing and the uh, because it's such a narrow strait you know it limits the uh, passage or the uh, number of uh, vessels that can go through in any given time frame and even though the uh, turks had uh, they already have a plan to 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 uh, build a second connection you know like a canal that will uh, double if not uh, increase the uh, traffic uh, going through more but more importantly it will allow them to levy uh, charges for all the vessels that go through and give them more money. Now just to give you an indication uh, when we did the Gaza trip back in 2011 to get uh, what seven ambulances and three 10 ton trucks through the Suez Canal, they were asking one way about 158,000 US dollars, right? Now that's a scary figure. But anyway, uh, we scoured the whole of Court uh, uh, Sudan a couple of days and nights, and we finally found a very fine uh, Coptic Christian amongst everybody else that. Uh, did us a favor by loading it onto another consignment because there was some space on deck and they put our vehicles on board. And even then, it costs us something like in the region of 58,000 US. But uh, it just gives you an indication of how much of money uh waterway like that can spend. And these dogs have been having it free for 100 years so that is why they were trying their level best. They were trying their level best to get him out of there, amongst other things, to push the agenda, like they did with Kamal Atatürk, you know, it destroyed the country. Anyway, coming back to the subject. Uh Turkey, of course, is banking on summer tourism to boost its struggling economy. And the economy is struggling for no other reason than the attack on its currency and economy. By the usual suspects, okay? Turkey was doing just fine until they stepped in and attacked the currency. And this is what they do with their crooked uh, usury and banking system. You know, so corrupt where they create money out of thin air and have the audacity to claim interest on it. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. And uh, uh, a total of 2.6 million workers are employed in the tourism industry in Turkey. It's quite a staggering number. And uh, it plays a crucial role in generating the income, billions of dollars, providing much-needed support to the national economy. To give you an indication, Brother Shafat, in 2022, despite uh, all the challenges and uh, problems that uh, were, you know, attended, Turkey's, Turkey's tourism industry surged to a total of 46.3 billion. Get your head around that in one year, right? and uh, a significant increase of over 50% when compared to 2021, which was uh, around the 30 billion mark. So uh, good for them. And uh, like I said, that's one of my favorite destinations. You know, you can go to Turkey over and over again, never get tired of it because there's just so much and so diverse and such a rich culture that uh, you'll never get tired of seeing it. And uh, of course, uh, they are hoping to have uh, a better summer. You'll you recall that not so long ago, they had that massive earthquake. Some still maintain that it was geoengineering by, you know, who that caused that earthquake as well to plunge the country into desperation. And uh, there's a gentleman called Khan Sahin Alp. He is the Turkish representative of TUI. TUI is a German company that runs massive tourism operation. Back to back, they have their own tourism infrastructure, their own uh, aircraft. And uh, when I say back to back, they'll bring one load of plane load of people in and take the last one out, and so it goes on. So there's lots of people coming in, and they are targeting up to 60 million foreign arrivals, earning up to 60 billion in 2023. That is just currentlier uh, and more, and uh, even though the Turkish uh, lira, the currency, is weaker than it what what it was, uh, it gives uh, Turkey a, a competitive advantage in terms of pricing when compared to other European or regional competitors. So, uh, more reason to go and support and uh, go and visit Turkey, Pa.
1: No, absolutely, uh, ba, You know, you and your tours, and I'm sure the whole world will like going with you because uh, you're so eloquent, you're genuine. You you tried and tested, and you've proved uh, that you have it. Uh, you know, stood the test of time, and Alhamdulillah, and you can add so much of value to people's tour, but I'm ba, look at the time look at the time we've been talking for 31 minutes and uh, 20 i don't years. believe that i corner you, and you're absolutely I you know, something
0: go-go. something that you do to your watch would make the time goes quickly i don't know
1: <laughs> no but it, it, it is that magic that you you you, you bring with your presence on uh, marcus Ahava and also on your slot uh you know uh, tra- uh travel express allah bless you for that perhaps your parting words uh, ba,
0: yeah seeing that we're talking about the usual suspects and all the nonsense that they get up to, I'm going to leave you with a question. Someone said here, have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born while other people are not held responsible for what they themselves are doing today? Very, a <laughs> very, very pertinent point. <laughs>
1: Was it written by uh, ANC? someone from yeah. the A&C? I, I'm not sure where it came from, but I, I came across it and I said, no, I've got to share it with the listeners out there because
0: it is such an absurdity and unfortunately such a reality of the times that we live in.
1: Oh. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Ba. On the head, and I know. Maybe on my political segment tomorrow and i need to talk to my guests about that but uh, alhamdulillah you bring as i said so much of noor and light onto uh my broadcasting and also uh, on the on this platform But you have a beautiful lovely uh, evening ahead inshallah we'll talk to you soon and allah keep you allah bless you assalamu alaikum wa, wa barakatuh.
0: i thank you of course uh, brother shafat the management of murka sahaba of course and of course our listeners out there for giving me the opportunity to sharing a, some of my experiences, my opinions and thoughts. And I just hope it adds value to everything. So thank you so much once again. And uh, let me bid you, Assalamualaikum
1: wa wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to our Ibrahim Baadeh. Absolutely, mashallah. Time for us, uh, yes, uh, to bid you farewell. Thank you very much, Alu for brilliant engineering. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.